There was a multimillionaire businessman known for his extravagance who hosted an elaborate, spectacular summer party. Part of his decorations and part of the uniqueness of his party was that he filled his swimming pool with sharks, barracuda, and other assorted dangerous fish. After cocktails and dinner had been served and everyone was just standing looking at the assorted dangerous fish, the businessman announced to his guests that he would like to challenge any of them to try swimming across the swimming pool. And to sweeten the challenge, he offered a first prize of either a new home in the mountains, a trip around the world for two, or a piece of his business. No sooner had he made the announcement than there was a splash in the swimming pool and a man swam rapidly across the pool and bounded up on the other side. The millionaire turned to the sputtering young man, shaking water off himself and said, that was an absolutely stunning performance. What prize do you want? With a growl and a scowl on his face, he said, right now, I don't really care about the prize. All I want to know is the name of the turkey who pushed me in. Today, my sermon title is By the Waters of Baptism. Obviously, these waters are not the same waters in the swimming pool described in my opening story. Shall we gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful, the river? These words are not solely the only spoken in the famous hymn, Shall We Gather at the River? But something like them must be said at times by the people in the area of the mighty Mississippi. The last church that I served before retirement was First United Methodist Church in Savannah. A lot of people living at the state border with Iowa, just west of us, say they moved there because it was a fisherman's paradise. It truly is a beautiful area. And even though I am not a fisherman, I enjoyed seeing the scenery and the wildlife, especially the eagles flying along the river. This reminds me of a popular movie that I bought some time ago. The movie's named A River Runs Through It. In his book from which the movie was made, the author Norman MacLean recalls his growing up years along the river. He said, in our family, there was no clear line between religion and fly fishing. We lived at the junction of the great trout rivers in western Montana, and our father was a Presbyterian minister and fly fisherman who tied his own flies and taught others. He told us about Christ's disciples being fishermen, and we were left to assume, as my brother and I did, that all first-class fishermen on the Sea of Galilee were fly fishermen, and that John the Favorite was a dry fly fisherman. 
He goes on to say, my father was very sure about certain matters pertaining to the universe. To him, all good things, trout as well as eternal salvation, came by grace. This brings us to our Old Testament text today from the 46th Psalm. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Today, God invites us to gather by the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. I did a little research and discovered that there appear rivers prominently in Scripture. First and foremost, the river is a metaphor of God's grace. Psalm 36 says, You give them drink from the river of your delights, for with you is the fountain of life. Just as the Mississippi River factors prominently in the area just west of us, so rivers factor as an important resource within the scriptures. Rivers were used for geographical boundaries, irrigation, bathing, transportation, defense, drinking water, fishing, healing, places of God's appearance, and great confessions of faith. It was at the headwaters of the Jordan River in a place called Caesarea Philippi that Peter made his great confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Downriver, but in earlier times, the Jordan River was a place of Jesus' self-discovery. We heard in today's gospel how Jesus came from Galilee to John the Baptist in the Jordan to be baptized with him. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove with the words, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It was at the river where you and I were inaugurated into the family of faith through baptism. There is something going on beneath the water of baptism. In explaining how water can forgive sin, deliver from sin and death, and give everlasting salvation, the great reformer Martin Luther points out, it is not water that does things, but God's word with the water and our trust in this word. Water by itself is only water, but with the word of God, it is a life-giving water, which by grace gives the new birth through the Holy Spirit. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Some of us may have journeyed far from the waters of baptism. There are many today who have even forgotten that there is a river of grace. For some of us, something is frozen. We feel stuck in a situation that we do not like. We wonder if there will ever be a thaw. I want you to know that wherever you journey in life, wherever it takes you, from your baptism that a river runs through it. 
I'm not talking about the Mississippi, the Illinois, the Missouri, but the river of God's grace. This river never freezes, never is murky, never is polluted, but is pure, pure grace. Country Western singer Willie Nelson recalls his boyhood days attending a small Methodist church. I was one of those kids who kept going down front when the preacher called for converts at the end of each sermon. I'd see somebody next to me start to the front, and well, there I'd go again. I joined the Methodist church at least 30 times when I was a kid. Every time I'd do something bad, I'd go join the church again. I'd walk down to the front and renounce my sins and ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And all of a sudden, I knew I had a new slate in the eyes of the church. Then I'd slip off and smoke a long strip of cedar bark rolled up in a newspaper, and suddenly I was back facing the fiery furnace again. Most of us repeat the same old sins and we get stuck in the same old slime. There's no need for us to rejoin the church each time we are in need of forgiveness. Wherever our willfulness and self-destructive tendencies take us, the river is nearby. And what we need to do is to gather our sins by the river of grace and allow God to drown them in the shed blood of Christ and then come out of the river and don't take those sins with us. Willie Nelson laments, each time I went to the front and rededicated my life, I wanted to leave my sins with God and walk away clean. I felt I should have, shouldn't have gotten off so easy. I mean, the church had let me off, but I hadn't let myself off. Are you having trouble forgiving yourself? Wondering if you really are made clean? Scripture promises us that when God forgives us, though our sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far shall our sins be from us. I see Jesus doing this in baptism. In his baptism, he included us in his righteousness. He identified with humanity, with our need to be cleansed and our need to be made pure. If you have been baptized, you have been drawn by Jesus' baptism into the circle of God's family. The story of Jesus' baptism calls us to remember our own. It too is our beginning as the gift of God's grace washes away those things that impede our relationship with God and gives us new birth, new life. And it calls us to do something with our life. But what if we don't remember our baptism? What if we, like many of us in the United Methodist Church, were baptized as infants? And yet we are reminded to remember our baptism. What does that mean for us, those of us who don't? I think remembering is something bigger 
than a chronological recount of our own memories. It's bigger than remembering what we wore or where we stood or who the actual person was that put water upon our head. It means remembering our very identity, what it is that made us, that collective memory that is a part of our tradition, our liturgy, our family, and our church. That is what remembering our baptism is all about. It is not just remembering the moment we felt the baptismal stream. It is remembering the story into which we have entered. It is at the point that the Christian family became our own as we be began to remember what God intends us to be. And what each of us, whether we noticed it or not, for each of us, the heavens opened up, spilled out, and the Holy Spirit emerged. And we too were conferred with the title, This is my child, my daughter, my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And in that moment, whether we were infants or older, we are commissioned for ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. We are commissioned to the work of Christ and to the work of Christ's church. Therefore, our own baptism sweeps us into the dawn that Jesus began. And like Jesus, our own baptism calls us and empowers us to empty ourselves before God. As we begin to find ourselves standing in these waters with Christ, we also find ourselves ready to be followers of Christ. Roy Lloyd, a Lutheran minister, once interviewed Mother Teresa. He said that one of his questions and one of her answers stand out in his mind is a bright sun burning in my mind. He asked her, what's the biggest problem in the world today? And she answered him without hesitation. The biggest problem in the world today is that we draw the circle of our family too small. We need to draw it larger every day. With all that is evil and wrong in the world, it would be easy for us to answer that question with hundreds of different events. That's what makes Mother Teresa's response so jilting. She is saying that the problem is not so much with the world as it is with us. We need to see more people as our neighbor than we are currently doing. My friends, where are you building yourself and your soul this new year of 2021? From, from which streams are you taking your refreshment? You know we need to rethink our plans and our proximity to the river. I have a sense that the closer we build our thoughts 
in our plans and our relationships to the river of God's grace, the more life will take on acts of love and service to others. As David Lahr states in his poem, The Waters of Baptism, as you step into the water led by Christ's own hand, lay to rest the willful self and live the life God's planned. As you go beneath the water, turn away from sin and let the spirit fill you with peace and joy within. As you rise up from the river to new life that's true, let Christ be at the center of everything you do. As you step into the future, listen for God's call, be obedient to his voice and yield to him your all. As you face life's fiery trials, do not be afraid, for Christ the Lord is with you, and he will be your aid. My friends, let us affirm this as we sing the great hymn, Shall We Gather by the River. Amen. <laughs>